Included podcast starts right now. And what's going on, everybody? This is the Asmin and Budic Show. It's going to be another edition of the Football Frenzy Podcast, Week 6. And, Dan, it's hard to believe we're already in Week 6 of the NFL, but I'm Jake Asmin, joined alongside Dan Budic. And, Dan, we got a great show in store for all the listeners out there. Should be a great show, obviously, Week 6 of the NFL season. Got the Giants riding high, winning winners of three in a row. Should be a very great primetime game they take on the Philadelphia Eagles. And you got the Jets, which has just been a train wreck. Uh, the Have last they? four weeks with the Jets. Yeah, it's been uh, a little bit of a train wreck. We'll obviously get into that, but also around the, the rest of the league, it's been, it's, it should be a great week six. Got a bunch of good games. We're going to get to it all, and you know, just to give everybody a general rundown of the show, we're going to, of course, break down the week six NFL schedule. We're going to be bringing back the buy or sell segment that we did a week ago where we debuted it on last Went week's great. football frenzy. Was Went fantastic. great. We, have our, we had our producer, it was Jake Chernock, on. It was, it was a big was hit. A very big hit. We had Jake Chernock on, our producer, of course, helping us with that. He'll be back. And, of course, Jake Chernock's four down segment will be back once again for another week of the football frenzy podcast. And, of course, at the end, we'll have our pigskin pickums. We're pick five games as we usually do but interesting to note the Giants are on Sunday Night Football so we'll add another wild card game to our picking selection and of course Dan you mentioned the Jets you talked about the Giants we'll do our usual Jet and Giant breakdown segment a little later on in the program but before we begin with the schedule we just want to say that you can follow us on Twitter as always at the at Asmin Show and of course you can like us on Facebook at the Asmund Budic Show. So we have a new Facebook page that's been uh, been out there for a little bit now. We're trying to rack in the likes. And, of course, we thank you all for following us. And, as usual, you can subscribe subscribe to the show on iTunes. So that's a little plug for the show. But, Dan, let's break down the schedule as we always do. And first game we're looking at at 1 o'clock, the Steelers taking on the Brian Hoyer-led Browns. And, you know, this is a Cleveland Brown team that's I, I think have, has really exceeded expectations so far this season. They've been playing really good football. Yeah, Brian Hoyer, really. I mean, a lot of people thought he was just going to be the guy in there until he screwed up and Johnny Manziel was going to come in. But as far as the Browns are concerned, I mean, they got to be impressed with what Brian Hoyer has given them solid quarterback play. I mean, they, they lack some talent at the skill positions, especially without Gordon. I mean, they definitely lack talent. But, you know, given everything, I think Brian Hoyer's done a nice job throwing the football and hasn't turned it over. You know, all things considered, I think, uh, including us, we've talked about it on the show earlier, that we thought it was going to be Johnny Manziel's team at some point. Probably by week four, yeah, I really we, thought we Johnny really, would be in there. Yeah, we really thought that, you know, the way the Browns were constructed and we anticipated them to really struggle, you know, but they sit right now, I believe, at 3-1. and one. So they're playing outstanding football, and they're in a situation where— I mean, Pittsburgh's a dog in that game. Yeah, you know, it, it's— as crazy as it is, Pittsburgh is the underdog going on the road to Cleveland. And the Browns hung tight with Pittsburgh, if you remember, in week one. So th- this is an opportunity here for the Browns to really have another statement win and really, you know, really put a horrific loss into the Steelers. Because if the Steelers lose this game, you know, they're not off to the best start. And, you know, Cleveland, you got to start thinking about them as maybe more than just a, a fluke team early on. They're really playing some really good football. Very good football. And like I said, Brian Hoyer, I mean, it all starts with the quarterback play, as we've seen with the Jets and, and some other teams. When you get solid quarterback play, I mean, that's half the battle right there especially with a team with a nice defense so I mean if you're uh Mike Pettin in this front office of the Browns you have to be happy with what you see out of Brian Hoyer even though he might not be the guy in the future he is definitely the guy right now for the Cleveland Browns absolutely let's take a look at the Patriots at the Bills an AFC East matchup a divisional matchup and you know this is a game that Jeff fans are obviously going to be watching of course it depends on what happens in their game but nevertheless this is an AFC matchup and you have the Patriots fresh off their victory on Sunday night football over the Bengals, going to Buffalo to take on the Kyle Orton-led Buffalo Bills, who had a big win over Detroit last week, a game that they probably should have lost, but both teams were just awful, and the Bills found you know just enough to be able to get away with a win. Who do you uh, who do you like in this one? How do you feel about this matchup? I don't know. I mean, Buffalo were pretty good last week, even though it came down to the wire. Kyle Orton did a nice job throwing the football. So uh, Alex Henry helped him out missing well, all those field goals. Of course, they'd helped him out, but uh, you know, a win is a win. And, you know, good teams get those breaks. And I think the Bills are a nice team. I really do. But I think New England, you know, just maybe right now getting in stride. We saw a tough loss against Kansas City, but it came back against Cincinnati with a, with a tremendous victory. So I think we might be seeing New, New England getting on that little midseason run, rattle off maybe four or five straight wins, and, and really take control of the division. It was definitely a statement win last week for the Patriots. Tom Brady looked great, and the Patriots did exactly what you kind of expected them to do over the course of Belichick and Brady's tenure. The whole on to Cincinnati thing paid off. They played well. They played efficient football. Tom Brady had time in the pocket 
His offensive line did a great job protecting him. And you saw that the Patriots are still going to be the Patriots at the end of the day. And, you know, that's ultimately the bottom line when you look at this New England team. No team in the AFC East has the resume that Brady and Belichick did. We did a buy or sell last week where we said, will the Patriots still win the AFC East? And we all said they would. And you, know, you see why they, at the end of the day they still have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And that's what separates teams like Doug Marone and Kyle Orton from, you know, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And I think at the end of the day there is so, this division is so bottom there's too many bottom feeders in the division where the Patriots are clear, clearly the best team in the division. I mean, you got the Jets, who you know are not a very good football team. You got Miami, which is eh, you don't know really know with the Dolphins and Ryan Tannehill, and then you got Buffalo, and Buffalo's just changed quarterbacks to Kyle Orton. I mean, they're going to try to push push for a playoff playoff run, but do they really have it in them? I, I don't know. I think New England's still clearly the best team in the division. I'd be shocked if they don't win it. Panthers at the Bengals, another 1 o'clock game on Fox. This is the Bengals team. We just talked about it. Tough loss against New England. They did not play well. They were never really in the game against the Patriots. And, you know, the ba- this is the Bengals team that came into that game very hot. They looked like one of the best teams in football. Did not play well against New England in prime time. They return home now, taking on you know a Panthers team that's been very inconsistent this season. Well, I think inconsistencies have been the story of the NFL this year. Because when I look at the NFL this year, I don't see that one team where I'm like, "Wow, they, they're going to win the Super Bowl." I, I think there's it's really two teams. Well, there's really two dominant. teams. Two teams have been dominant, but we've seen Seattle even you know with questionable play at times early in the season. They you know not necessarily the most consistent team in the first couple weeks of the season. So I think when you talk about Carolina and Cincinnati, the, they're the in, they're the exact definition of inconsistency. Cincinnati three and one, but are they really that great? Of, are they really a three and one top five team in the power rankings like they were this week in the NFL team? I don't know. Carolina, just too inconsistency on offense. We have we've seen so much inconsistency when it comes to Cam Newton coming back from the rib injury. I, I don't know with these two teams. I think Cincinnati's a nice team, but you know I like Carolina too. So I think uh, I think this team could go, this, this is going to be a good game. How about this for the Cincinnati Bengals? Darrell Revis and the way he played on A.J. Green, and it goes to show you, if you take A.J. Green out of that Cincinnati offense, they're going to struggle to put up points, and they did just that against New England. Darrell Revis did a great job shutting down A.J. Green, and Andy Dalton really struggled trying to find other guys to be able to step up and make plays. So, you know, that was a bit of an alarming if you're a Bengals fan. But listen, Darrell Revis shuts down a lot of great players, so shouldn't well, come that, as, I mean, shouldn't that, come as, as that big of a surprise. No, that's Darrell Revis, and I think maybe the Bengals underestimated how good Darrell Revis still is because he still is clearly the best cornerback, one of the best cornerbacks in football. And when you, you mentioned it, when you take out a team's best receiver, you know, we've seen it when he was with the Jets so many times. It just it takes away an element uh, of offense away, and you really have to to re uh, readjust what you're going to do offensively, and the Bengals just weren't able to do it, you know, in prime time. Jaguars at the Titans and a potential Mark Webber game of the week matchup, Dan. Two teams going in the opposite directions. The Titans are just the Titans are awful. The man. Titans, the Titans are really bad. The, the, the Titans aren't great, but they're significantly better than the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are now zero and four. I think this may be where you could see Jacksonville get their first win. Maybe we'll, we'll actually um, stay with us in the show. We'll have a buy or sell specifically on the Jacksonville Jaguars win total a little later on. But you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I took a look at their schedule, Dan. They have some really challenging games coming up. They don't get a win here. You know, you realistically can look at this team starting off at least 0-10 before they have another winnable game. Well, that's game. why I think this is a very winnable game for them, and I think this might be the game where you see Blake Bortles settle in and, and maybe, you know, I, he's going to struggle this year, and we've seen him struggle in his first couple of starts, but maybe this might be the most consistent game he plays. Packers at the Dolphins in a game taking place at 1 o'clock on Fox. That game is in Miami. And the Dolphins, we talked about, we don't really know what they are just yet. We know they're an inconsistent team. Sometimes they get great play out of Ryan Tannehill. Other times, he struggles a little bit. And, of course, earlier this season, that was clearly evident when Joe Philbin wouldn't even name the guy starting quarterback for their Week 3 matchup against against Oakland on the— or their Week 4 matchup, whenever that game was in London that we had as a Mark Weber game of the week at the time. But, you know, so we don't really know what the Dolphins are. The Packers starting to get things together. They clearly have Aaron Rodgers, which puts them at an advantage over most teams in this league. You know, you look for the Packers to be able to go in there on the road, even if it is in Miami, be able to get it done. Yeah, they should be able to. Miami's a team, very inconsistent play. And you mentioned that they don't have, they're not really sold on Ryan Tannehill. And I think Green Bay is hitting that stride where they're playing much more consistent football. You remember early this season, it was, you know, well, what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers told the fan base, just relax, we'll get it together. And they really have the last couple of weeks. I think Green Bay is going to take control of this one. Lions at the Vikings, a good NFC. I shouldn't say good. The Vikings are awful, but they did beat the Falcons a couple of weeks ago in an NFC North matchup. And, you know, this is a Lions team that we've seen against the Jets. 
haven't really been that impressive. They have some nice wins. They beat the Packers, but you know we talked about Carolina being inconsistent, and that's where the Detroit Lions are as well. You know, interesting to know about the Lions. Calvin Johnson might be shut down, and I think that's the right move. I think that's the move that Jim Caldwell should make. Shut Calvin Johnson down for a couple of weeks. Let him get back to 100. Because by throwing him out there as just maybe a potential decoy, you're not really doing. You're yourself not gaining any good. it. You're not gaining anything. Because he got when he was a decoy out there, he got injured against the Bills and had to sit out for the rest well, of the game. I Same think, thing with the Jets. I also think this guy needs to get healthy. I also think it's a big distraction when you have a guy at game time. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? When he's that big of an impact player, just sit him out a couple weeks. I agree. Sit him out a couple weeks. Seeing him maybe two, three weeks down the line, if he's healthy, he could be in there and help you win. Not. Oh, is how how many receptions is Calvin gonna have? Is he gonna be able to play past halftime? Is he gonna be playing to the fourth quarter? If and it's here's a close the thing: game? his receptions aren't like the traditional Calvin Johnson. He's hurt. Sixty yards. He's battling bombs. an injury, and that's the problem. Calvin Johnson at forty percent, it does not help you. Calvin Johnson at a hundred percent helps you. Get the guy healthy and get the get the best wide receiver in football back out there on the field. I think it'd be smart to rest him. And then you know Detroit's taking on a very bad Vikings team. We talked last week how we both don't think Adrian Peterson is going to play. Today we find out that he's going to plead not guilty to the child abuse charges. So, you know, I don't think Adrian Peterson's going to play a game this I mean, season. Nor should he. We talked about it. Yeah, the Vikings are awful. They were horrendous against the Green Bay Packers on Thursday Night Football. Just a terrible team. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, hopefully he's healthy enough to give it a go this week because you want to see the rookie play, get some experience. I will say in his first start, he really did put some energy into that offense, which you like to see, which was evident it wasn't there with Christian Ponder playing quarterback. So you want to see Teddy Bridgewater back in the starting lineup. Broncos at the Jets. That's a game we'll talk about a little bit later on in the program. Both of us have a lot to say about that one. Ravens at the Buccaneers. And, you know, Tampa Bay, man, so many people were high on this team, and they have just struggled out of the gate. They took the Saints to overtime a week ago, but they ended up losing that game too. They're 1-4 on the season right now. Lovey Smith came in. Everyone was inspired by the Bucs, how they were going to play traditional defense again. Josh McCown was their starting quarterback. He bombed, and they went to Mike Glennon, and they haven't really gotten that much success there either. So you know, this is a Bucks team that is vastly underachieved through the first five games of the season. I don't even think they've underachieved. I don't think they're—I didn't have them as a I good team going into the season. I don't think we thought they'd be 1-4. and four. Maybe not 1-4, and four, but I, I, I didn't—am I that surprised they're 1-4? and four? No, I'm really not. Last year, everyone said they were an 8-9 or nine win team, possibly a playoff team. They were awful last year. Greg Schiano was the head coach. Greg Schiano was the head coach. Remember when they got Darrell Rivas? Oh, the Bucks are the real deer, the real— deal this year in the NFC. Watch out. They could be playoff contenders, and, and they laid an egg and couldn't do anything and traded Darrell Reeves. And then you look at the Ravens. The Go Ravens, them, the Ravens had a tough matchup against the Indianapolis Colts. Luck put up a lot of points there, and the Colts won. That was one of my picks from last week. I got that one correct. And You know, the Ravens, we never know what the Ravens. We say this every week on the show. Inconsistent team. Some weeks they look good. Some weeks they don't, but I do think the Ravens get this win on the road in Tampa. And then another 4 o'clock game as we get to the 4 o'clocks right here. Chargers at the Raiders. We've seen both of these teams being Jet fans. The Chargers coming off a 31 to nothing shellacking of the Jets, of course. And then the Raiders, who are still searching for that first win this season with Tony Sperano as their head coach. Yeah, I mean, San Diego is really good. Their defense is phenomenal. And, I, you know, I, it's phenomenal besides the point that they played a Jets offense, which was anemic and is, is horrendous. But they are a really good team, and... Uh, Philip Rivers is coming into his own and continuing to play like he played last season. Philip so. Rivers, man, you can make a case that through the first five games this season, he's the MVP. He's been an MVP. I he's mean, playing yeah. at an MVP level right and now. And you can make the argument that the last five games of last season into this season, Philip Rivers is the best quarterback in football. Yeah, he's been playing outstanding. Just to think about, uh, they had to win five, five out of six. I he think was, it was so last good year at the end of last season. The yeah, absolutely. In the, first place, so. and the Chargers have been rolling since the end of last year. Obviously, in the playoffs last year, they played the Denver Broncos and they gave them a game. So, you know, the, the Chargers have been in it since the really the end of last year. So they're really starting to you know pick, put things together, and we saw it firsthand both being Jet fans watching that game a week ago. And another 4 o'clock game, this one is on Fox. Bears taking on the Falcons, and this is the Falcons team that really does not play any defense, but they're back at home where they're accustomed to putting up points. And, you know, you never know what you're going to get out of the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears, very inconsistent, but the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, they are a team that just cannot win on the road. They just can't do it. No, if they're away, and especially if they're on the road in a dome, that's one thing, but when they're on the road away from home and they're outside, they're just a different like team. Like a MetLife Stadium. I mean, literally, they, they played like a like a like – a, like a bottom feeder in the NFC last week against the Giants, and there was no reason for it. You know, it started out to be a good game, but once the Giants pulled away, I mean, Matt Ryan couldn't move the football. They couldn't move the football up and downfield. And when, you know, when you get stuck deep in your own territory on drives and you're being pinned back, it's tough to move the football field. Cowboys at the Seahawks, a game that is pretty interesting because Dallas obviously comes in four and one, but they're about six point underdogs, five and a half point underdogs. Last time I saw it. 
going on the road into Seattle. When was the last time you saw a four and one team be that you know that heavily uh, dogged going into uh, you know road team's opposition? But well, of course, when you go into Seattle, Seattle you're gonna so be, it doesn't make sense. You're going to be dogged. Seattle's just you're going to go eight and zero at home. Or seven and one. I mean, they're they're so good at home. They do it every year. It's just tough to go in there and win, especially for a Dallas Cowboys team that has struggled on the road before. I know they're four and one, but you know they're still trying to prove their own. This is going to be a tough game for them to to win. So the Cowboys, you know, they they played well so far this season. Obviously, being where they are at four and one, but interesting to know on the Cowboys. How about Dallas fans not showing up in their own building? The fact oh, that yeah. it was so loud when they played the Texans last week that Tony Romo and that Dallas Cowboy offense actually had to go to a silent snap count because of the crowd noise in their own building when they were on offense. Yeah, it just goes to show you, you know, when you play uh when you play another uh another Texas team, you never know. No, but that, that's strong even, fans. Yeah, that's not even the reason why. I mean, it's because Cowboys fans have been selling their tickets. Look at week 1 against the San Francisco uh, yeah, 49ers. Yeah, but I know, but it's embarrassing. It, it really is. is. I, it is, but I think that it, that is a common theme going around the NFL nowadays, especially in the when you look at teams like Jacksonville. I mean, no one goes to their games. This isn't and, Jacksonville. This I I know. But that, that would never happen with the Giants. That would never happen now with the Seahawks, the I San think, Francisco 49ers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. They're not America's team anymore. You shouldn't have to but be. But they're not America's team that's anymore. That's great, but you shouldn't, you're still Dallas Cowboys. You're still the Dallas Cowboys. You still have that star in your helmet. You shouldn't be. I think it's ridiculous that the fact that they, they had to go to a silent snap count for the second time this season, mind you. At home, that's shameful on Dallas Cowboys. Fans. I think. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it's surprising, but then again, it's. Not, I'm not that surprised. I can't say I'm that surprised with the way the NFL is going nowadays. I think, I, I think the way that this is t- not the Jaguars. Te- teams this is are one more of the biggest markets, no, but I, the most valuable NFL no, franchise. They are the most valuable it's NFL franchise, but for a fan base that over the last 20 years, they haven't gotten much success since uh, the early 90s when they were winning Super Bowls. I, I can't say I'm that surprised. I think this is the direction the NFL is headed, where you see more integrated fan base in, in opposing team stadiums. I do agree that it's a little ridiculous that they had to go to a silent snap you count see at this, home. You see this in Jacksonville. You don't see this in Dallas. But anyway, moving on to the Redskins taking on the Cardinals to round out the 4 o'clock games. Redskins, we just saw them. They gave they they did give Seattle a game on Monday Night Football. Kirk Cousins did not have a turnover. He played okay, all things considered. And then, you know, they're taking on a Cardinals team, and you really don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for them. Of course, it was Drew Stanton. Got he got hurt. Now they got to go back to Carson Palmer, who was, of course, originally hurt. That allowed Stanton to play in the first place. So the Cardinals right now, they have a great defense. They have a good offense, but you don't know who's playing quarterback for them, and that, that worries me a little bit as a— as someone trying to observe and try and break down this team, well, you got to know who you're, who's playing quarterback, especially you know Wednesday, Thursday going into game week. But when your backup's got a concussion, you, you might, might be stuck to a third stringer. I know they just signed a their third. They just signed a quarterback off their practice squad. You know that's that's the kind of situation you're in when your backup quarterback gets down with a head injury. If Carson Palmer could come back though and be healthy, I mean they're again 11 win team last year. They could be a threat to to take over. They're a good team. And then, of course, you have Sunday Night Football, which we're going to talk about during the Giants segment. That's, of course, the Giants at the Eagles. And that's a, that's re- be a great That's game. a really good game. I'm looking and, forward to talking about that And you can make one. the argument, and it is the case, over the next three or four weeks, you're going to find out what this Giants team is made of. You know, they, They've gotten three wins off you know, some subpar teams in the NFC. Not really that great, especially when they took on uh, – when they played at home against the Houston Texans. You're going to see in the next three weeks how good against Dallas – uh, and uh, the Eagles, how good this Giants team is. Are they ready to take a step and go into the playoffs and make a run at this division, which everyone predicted the Eagles to win? Next couple weeks are going to show what the Giants are made of. And then, of course, the Monday night game, which we'll get to in the pick segment. You have San Francisco is going to be taking on the St. Louis Rams. And San Francisco, after starting 1-2, and two, they've, won their next, they've won their next two games, and they've looked pretty good in the past two weeks. San Francisco 49ers coming into their own. They're not turning over the football as much, but I think – this whole thing with Harbaugh and the and the and the front office is really a, a dark cloud over this team. And I think it's it was even though a lot of guys said it wasn't a distraction early, I think this was a big distraction at the end of training camp leading into the season. I happen to agree with you, and I think that's something that could uh, potentially derail a I mean, football every team. Every week we hear but, about it. You know, so far, so far they've been able to weather the storm, and I give you, I guess you got to give credit to the coaching staff there being able to keep the uh, keep the team composed, but. That you know, out of all the the prime time games, man, uh, not looking forward to this Monday night game. I just don't believe in the Rams at all. I don't trust Austin Davis as that team starting quarterback. And well, when you, you know, don't we, have we when you don't about, have a quarterback. Yeah, you don't have a quarterback. When we talked about this with Bradford when he went down. It's, it's unfortunate because the Rams actually have a pretty good defense, really good, uh, a defense. good, a good offense. And you know, it's unfortunate that Sam Bradford, their former first overall pick, had to get hurt again. Yeah, it's just that's a we talked about it a couple weeks ago. That's just a tough situation when you when your franchise guy just cannot stay on the field. Absolutely. But when we come back, Dan, we're going to be breaking down the New York football Giants and talk about the Jets debacle in San Diego and preview their matchup against, 
of course, Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. It'll be a doozy. Yeah, magical game coming up. Back right after this. You are listening to the Asman and Butted podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Back here on the Asman and Butic Show podcast, Dan Butic alongside Jake Asman. Jake diving in to the local games. You got the Giants taking on the Eagles, primetime action. And the Giants are coming off winners of three in a row, Jake. You think they'll be able to beat a team like the Philadelphia Eagles on primetime? I've been very torn on this game, but Dan, you made a great point before the break about how this game and the couple games coming up for the Giants really be a good indicator of what type of team they really are. You, know, you look at their schedule coming up, of course they have at the Eagles and the following week at the Cowboys versus the Colts, at the Seahawks versus the San Francisco 49ers. So in those games right there, you're really going to find out exactly what type of team that this New York Giants team is, really. You mentioned some of the games they played early on. They haven't played a great team yet. Well, that's the it. Eagles are you know, picked to win that division by most people before the start of the season. This is an opportunity for the Giants to get a good start in that because if they could survive the stretch, let's say they go 3-3 three and three in their next six because the game after San Francisco is a home game against the Cowboys. Say they split against the Cowboys, they win either the Eagle or the 49er game. I don't think they're going to win in Seattle. you got to figure that's a loss. The Colts is a toss-up game. Maybe they lose that one, but they get a game against Dallas, whatever it is. If the Giants can somehow go 3-3 three and three over their next six, that tells me a lot about this team. They'd be 6-5 and five at that point. Then they're in a situation where the back end of their schedule, if you really take a look at it, is the Jaguars, the Titans, the Redskins, the Rams, and they close, out against, all winnable games. they close out against the Eagles. So those are all games where the Giants, if they could just survive this stretch right here, they're in a good position to go back to the playoffs for the first time in a couple seasons. They have to do it, though. You know, we we have to see it. This this offense looks so much better than it did in the preseason and even during their first two games when they were awful. We talked about it on the show. They were horrendous. But, you know, for the Giants to be successful, I really do think that they're going to have to be able to still run the football effectively. Of course, Eli has to continue to play at the Eli we're accustomed to seeing, Super Bowl version of Eli going forward. And, you know, the Giants have shown a lot the past three games, of course, digging their way out of 0-2, but this is where the fun really begins. This is where the real test starts with this team. That's why I say they're 3-2 and two right now, but we really don't know what the Giants are. They looked awful their first two weeks of the season. They couldn't move the ball. They couldn't score the ball. They were turning over the ball left and right. Last three weeks, they've played well. Have they played great? No, and I think Eli Manning would even tell you that the Giants haven't played great, but they've played good enough to win and you know, against three you know decent to good teams. you know That's what it's going to take, but when you're facing a team like the Eagles who are, you know, favored to win that division coming into the season. You mentioned they got some tough games coming up. You're going to find out what this Giant team's really made of. That's why I see 3 and 2 now. You know, Giant fans were really low after 0 and 2 and they're really high now that their team's 3 and 2. You know, take a, take a step back. I think they're a good team, but I still think there's a lot of time left in the season. Next Over the course of the next couple of weeks, you know, their work's going to be cut out for them. How good are they offensively? We still don't know how good this team is offensively. They're still learning a new system. We've seen flashes of what it can be. Absolutely we have. But we haven't seen it all come together and play 60 minutes of cohesive offensive football. We've seen some inconsistency left and right. It's going to take that down the stretch to really compete. And the Eagles' defense is awful. They're coming. They're oh, it coming, is awful. They, That's they, why this is an opportunity for right, the Giants to absolutely. really take advantage. And, you know, the Giants' offense has been significantly improved. We just touched on that. So the Eagles' offense actually comes into the game ranked 28th in the National Football League. The Giants, the way they're playing right now, should 100% be able to exploit that. If they're able to put up some points, you feel confident, about, uh, confident in this defense. Because Nick Foles, it's not the same Nick Foles right now that he was a year ago when he only threw two interceptions and had He's 27 touchdowns. He's been very inconsistent. He hasn't looked great. You know, the Eagles got a win last week against the Rams a game they almost let slip, very close to letting the Rams come all the way back in that one. But right now the Giants are playing great. If they're for real, put up some points on this bad Eagles defense and rely on this Giants pass rush to be able to get the Nick Foles. And you know, here's the thing too, for the Giants to win this football game, they're going to need to stop LaShawn McCoy. McCoy is not off to a great start this season, but don't let this game be the breakout game for LaShawn McCoy where he gets out of his slump and you know puts up his 170 all-purpose yards. That can't happen. The Giants got to play good, fundamentally sound defense, and their offense, as long as he continues to play this well, shouldn't have that difficult of a time being able to put up some points with this uh, you know, with this Eagles defense the way it's playing right now. Yeah, I think this Eagles defense is, re- is really poor. It's, they don't rush the passer particularly well, and they don't guard on the outsides pretty well down the field. And I feel like the addition of Odell Beckham down in the stretch when you talk about him getting more receptions. We saw, you know, four receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown last week. We saw, you know, what he could possibly bring to this. Beckham was really impressive. He was really impressive. The more you see him in this offense, the better this team is going to be because 
we've seen, and I think it's fair to say that Victor Cruz is a very good receiver, but he's not a primary target. They needed someone else on the and outside. We, we talked about that. No, we but, did. We talked about it like, the last couple look weeks. Look at what the Giants have now. You get Beckham Jr. now. You get a guy that could stretch Beckham Odom Jr. You get a guy that could stretch the field, a guy that can get open down the sideline. That does so much for an offense when it you does. have a deep threat that could take you know, pressure off your, your offense. Victor Cruz now can go back to his accustomed slot spot and be able to get open there. Danelle. Larry Donnell has been outstanding at the tight end spot. And you see in the red zone when they're sending double teams towards his way, well, Beckham can just make a play in the, in the end zone like he did the other day um, against the Falcons. So the Giants have shown you now they have a lot more weapons than you know people think. Ruben Randall's still a very solid wide receiver as well. So you know Eli's starting to get into this offense, starting to find its groove against a very bad Eagles defense. And how bad are they, Dan? They're allowing over 400 yards oh, a they're game. Not, they're not good. And they're allowing 100 and uh, let's see right here. I've written down 132 rushing yards. So if the Giants can go in there, the Giants are a team that's rushing the ball Rashad Jennings nicely. could run the football effectively. They should be they should be in good shape, especially with you know the inconsistency we've seen from Nick Foles early on this season. But we've also seen inconsistency on the Giants defensively. That's why I think this is such an interesting matchup. I think it's one of the better games of the week because we've seen two teams that have struggled at times this year, both battling for top spot in the division, and the Eagles were favored to win this division. This is a big statement game for the Giants, especially with the games they have coming up to go into Philadelphia prime time and show that they're not you know a bottom feeder of the NFC East. That Eli Manning still one of the better quarterbacks in football, and that they're learning this off offense and going to be able to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. And this would be a big win, too, because the Eagles come into the football game 3-0 at home. They've always played well in Lincoln Financial Field. Tough place to play, tough environment. It's going to be loud on Sunday night football. Let's see what the Giants team's made of. They really impressed me when they went into Washington and just you know took down the Redskins with no issues whatsoever. It was really the first time you've seen a big blowout from the road perspective on Thursday night football this year. And that was really impressive a couple of weeks ago. Then we talked about the Atlanta Falcons game when they came in and they did their thing. So, you know, right now the Giants are playing really well. Let's see what they could do Sunday night against Yeah, Philly. and it seems like always, and it just seems like the no, not always, but the last two or three seasons, the Giants' nemesis have been going into Lincoln Financial Field in a game in a, in a game that you know against their against their rival Eagles. It's been, it just it seems they've been their nemesis. They've come out you know looking great. They've looked great in previous weeks. They go into Lincoln Financial Field and they just they they. They they can't do anything. They can't move the ball. They can't play defense. When it, whether it was Michael Vick or whether it was Deshaun Jackson back in the day, they couldn't stop anyone at Lincoln Financial Field. This is a big game psychologically for the Giants to win, if they can, moving forward. And we already talked about their schedule coming up. It'd be a big win for the Giants if they're able to get things going early on You know, with this tough six-game stretch that we already alluded to. You know, just a, l- a little bit earlier. If they can go three and three during that stretch, as I talked about, I think they bowled themselves well to make the playoffs. But this will be a big start for them, you know, to be able to accomplish that. This is a statement game for the Giants in the NFC. Absolutely, and and you know, switching to the other New York team, a team that we all had you know decent expectations for. We talk about it every week on the show, and we're not going to spend you know twenty minutes ripping the Jets because you know the Jets are hopeless right now. We're not going to go into it for twenty minutes just destroying the team. But we'll start with this: Do you agree with Rex Ryan's decision to stick with Geno Smith? As team's starting quarterback this week against the Broncos? It's a, it's a tough question. I think it's a really that's really tough where qu- it starts. That's where it starts. And you know what? I was flipping. I know, Jake, we talked about it. I was flipping back and forth. I think it was. I think maybe you had to go back to Geno just because you'd got to find out what he is. And listen, Geno Smith was a guy when he was drafted, people said, you know what? Good pick by the Jets in the second round. He's a guy that in a couple of years, two or three years down the road, could come in and play quarterback for you and be a good a good pro quarterback. Well, he had to start right away. And I think we're seeing some of the flaws that Geno Smith have, just the fact that he he really is the type of guy that really should have sat back and not started right away. Obviously, due to circumstance, he had to start right away last year. He played well at the end of last season, and he came in this year. Played well the first couple of weeks in a, in, a, in a win against Oakland and then a loss against uh, a loss against the Packers and and really has just been atrocious. See, the ever problem since. with Geno Smith is he looked great at the end of the season. He looked good in the preseason. Well, that's the thing. And he's and he even looked good weeks one and two. But since then, and he has just regressed as a quarterback. And it just looks yeah. like when he starts to lose the confidence, it all just goes. It all goes at once. He's not able to keep that composure that he was able to have you know, at the last four games of last season, carried that over through weeks one and two of this season. Well, it's it's a, unfortunate, it's but that's It's the domino what they effect. Are. The problem with Geno Smith is he has that, uh, that habit that a lot of quarterbacks have 
young quarterbacks have, where it's a domino effect. You turn the ball over once, next drive out, you turn it over again, and, and it just gets worse and worse. It's like falling into quicksand. It, it, that's been the Geno Smith effect, and to the, to an extension, that was Mark Sanchez, too, at the end of his Jets tenure. You know, you just make mistakes, compiled on mistakes, and it's cost you football games. I will say this, 4 of 12 for 27 yards and an interception, that will get you benched, and Gino, that will get Gino you cut. Smith, Gino Smith has been bad before, but that was just a combination of— I mean, I've never seen awful. a quarterback play that bad. He was awful, and he just has no confidence, and he was worried about his job being pulled, and you know what? When he played like that, the results showed. In, in all seriousness, watching football my whole life, I've never seen a quarterback no, play and that the, poorly. The idea that—and I hate when people try to use the excuse, he's young. He's young, but we should we should start to see some development I, at yeah, this point. I think— like, Why is it that Geno Smith can play great? Four games at the end of last season. A year, you know what a year ago today was? Geno Smith's Monday night football game against the Falcons where he, he threw three great. touchdowns on the road he and did not great. turn the ball over. You know, he's had moments. He's shown talent. He's shown the flashes that he could be a, a potential franchise quarterback. But when you're that inconsistent, you can't spend all, all all these seasons going forward trying to evaluate the position. You need to see some sort of consistency. And Geno Smith, like it or not, will probably have until, you know, at least a couple more games and likely till the end of this season to show if he's the guy or not. If we don't see significant improvements, he won't be. He won't be on, He won't be the starter next year. Well, because, he shouldn't be. Because you can't have four of 27 performances. Mark Sanchez has been awful, but he never did that. That was, I mean, I will, and I said it to you watching the game. I have never seen a quarterback play that poorly, and I've never seen a quarterback look just look dead to rights throwing the dropping and back. I in don't want to hear about the weapons. I know Decker didn't play, but you know what? I don't care who is out there. You shouldn't be four of twenty-seven in the NFL. That's unacceptable. Well, I think I think you know, and a lot of it was you know, Rex went on with Michael K yesterday and Donald Rex on the Michael K show and said, "Well, our receivers didn't get much separation." And to a certain degree, and to a certain extent, I agree. I, I think the Jets were limited on offense without Eric Decker. They're very slim offensively. But I think four of twenty-seven for twenty-seven yards in a pick—that speaks more about the quarterback than it does about the receivers getting separation. No, Gina Come on, Gina was bad, but his line was awful. His receivers didn't do anything. But to go four of twenty-seven. You know, Rex didn't have a choice. You had to bench him. You there. had to bench him. And, you you know, had to relieve him. And we saw him. Michael Vick's not going to do anything. At this point, when you're 1-4, you're better off letting Geno Smith ride it out, find out what you have, because I don't know if Rex Ryan's going to be the head coach next year, but John Isaac will definitely be the general manager. So he needs to know if he has got a quarterback or not, because if he doesn't, you could bet that the Jets are going to be taking a quarterback with their first-round pick in this upcoming draft you know, and if this, they find out they don't. This was an interesting thing they talked about on ESPN. This was talked about a lot over the last couple of days. You know, would Rex come back and Idzik be gone? Let me tell you something. John Idzik is here to to rebuild this team and to put a consistent winner on the field for the years to come. He's the general manager of this Jets team. Rex Ryan is not the head coach for the foreseeable future unless this team turns it around. Those are the facts. Those are the facts. This would be Rex Ryan, you know, after the after two years where they went, team went to the AFC Championship game, you know, they haven't done anything since. They haven't even been a prayer of a team with a chance to go to a Super Bowl or a chance to contend in the AFC. So I think this is Rex Ryan's last leg as this team's head coach. If he can turn it around, I think he can save his job. But if that is not the case, he will die and be fired and will be laid off with Geno Smith, the reason why. Oh, I agree with you. I don't think you can give Rex Ryan his third quarterback. So a lot of Rex Ryan's job right what here. What coaches make it through no, three quarters? It just don't. doesn't happen. They don't, and it's not necessarily Rex Ryan's fault, which we'll get to. But the thing with this with this unique situation with the Jets is, Isaac is on a different clock than Rex Ryan is. Rex Ryan, is if he doesn't make the playoffs this year, that's not four straight non-playoff seasons. John Isaac is only in his second year as the team's general manager. He's got more time. He could build for the future. Rex Ryan, unfortunately, he can't because John Isaac's really set Rex Ryan up to fail, but even if he set him up to fail, we did not think that just this Jets team would be 1-4. They need to turn it around significantly going forward. They don't need to necessarily make the playoffs for Rex to keep his job, but there needs to be a significant turnaround for this team for Rex to be able to keep his but job. But at the beginning of the season, didn't wouldn't you have said the Jets need to make the playoffs after 8-8 eight and eight last year? I mean, you probably would have said they need not, to make the playoffs. Nah, I, I thought they needed I to. I didn't say they definitely needed to make the playoffs for him to keep his job. It, I said it depends how the season goes. Injuries, quarterback play, a lot of different factors go into it. But you know, one thing that can't happen is Rex Ryan's Jet team cannot quit on him. And and against San Diego, they quit on him, and that that was unfortunate. That's that was unfortunate. And I will say one thing before we move on about the Jets and Rex Ryan and his tenure as a head coach. He's a great defensive coach, but he has his clock management skills and his skills just getting everyone in a position, especially on offense, where everyone knows what they're doing, who's in the huddle, who's not in the huddle, is awful. They are they they too frequently get called for too many men on the field. They too frequently have to get called timeouts for only ten men on the field. This just this is something that happens too much, and it's something I've noticed over the last couple of years has been more 
exposed considering the team isn't as good as it was in his first two seasons. So I think as far as a personnel standpoint, I think Rex Ryan defensively is a great coach. But when it comes to the you know t- clock management and the time of the game, I think he lacks skill. I agree with you, and you know what? We'll, we'll talk about Rex Ryan. We have a buy or sell segment on Rex Ryan, on Rex Ryan, but you know it's unfortunate because we both are big Rex Ryan fans. But yeah, I, I you, mean, you can't defend the guy if this team does not turn it around. Well, they have a, to, they that, have to show some life. And I'm not asking them to go out there on Sunday and beat Peyton Manning in this Broncos team, but that you can't get killed. Make it a game. Be competitive. I don't know if they can. And I, I really don't know if they can. We'll see. I don't know if Peyton Manning could just go in there and just blow their doors off. If you give him the opportunity to, he will. But if the Jets could get some sort of pass rush and protect Geno Smith, you would expect them to at least be in the game, not lose 31 nothing like they did against the Chargers. I don't see how they win this game. I don't see how they How were close. they in the game against the Packers? How were they in the game against the Bears? But they've gotten worse. They, they've gotten worse over the course of this season. They've. I agree with you, but that's why they got to get it fixed. They cannot get blown out but by the Broncos. I think, I think something— If they play hard, it will show a lot about the I think team. something that— you know, Rex Ryan says a lot, and you know, well, you know, it's my job. I haven't gotten the players prepared. I think it's a combination of that, and it's a combination. Of the team's not very good, and I think he has a lack Which of falls personnel. Falls on the owner from the top, and falls on general manager John. Uh, but un- unfortunately, that they will not be. You can't fire the owner, and they're not going to fire the GM. No, It'll cost Rex. And unfortunately, it's, it falls on Rex, and you know, it's one of those things where you know, there's not much you could really do here as a Rex Ryan fan, other than you know, that's just the way it's going to go. That's that's the risk you take when you bring in a GM that is forced to take on the head coach. Yep, that's the kind of thing that happens. But the Jets and the Broncos this week, we'll get into it in the Pigskin Pick'em segment. It's just going to be tough. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a long 60 minutes. Huh. Yeah, hopefully. I'm not asking them to win, Dan. I'm asking them to be competitive. We'll definitely find out if they will. But we're going to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, we're going to be back with this week's Buy or Sell segment with Jake Chernock. You are listening to the Asman and Butik podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Where are you going with your long face? Pull them down, don't hide away. All right, we are back right here on the Football Frenzy podcast. Jake Asman, Dan Butik, and now we welcome into the show Jake Chernock, our man, our producer, the whole thing for the buy or sell segment. Jake Chernock, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm great. Ready for a little buy or sell? Of course, ready for it. As you guys know, last week we debuted the buy or sell segment on the Football Frenzy podcast right here, and we're gonna bring it back. We had a lot of good reviews from our our fans, and we appreciate that. So here we go. First buy or sell. Will Johnny Manziel start a game this year? I'm gonna have to sell that. Actually, I think Brian Hoyer has done a very good job so far this year. I think it's great actually for Johnny Football to sit out here. Sometimes it takes. Quarterbacks, a couple of years to make sure that they fully develop. We saw Aaron Rodgers obviously sitting behind uh, Brett Favre for a few years in Green Bay. Brian Hoyer is not Brett Favre, but I think it's a good thing for uh, for Manziel to sit out a year. I think it's a buy. I think towards the end of the season, I don't know how Wells Hoyer is going to play towards the end of the year. I think he will get a start. Um, This is a tough one. I'm going to sell it. I'll tell you why. Um, You know, I think Johnny Manziel. Actually, I would actually buy it, right? Because Johnny Manziel, I think, will well, if you play. Think he's, you're yeah, buy it, yeah, I'm going to buy it. So let me correct myself there. I'm going to buy it. I think Johnny Manziel is going to start a game this year, and it's not because I don't trust Brian Hoyer with his play so far. He's played very well. I just don't see how they go an entire season without playing the rookie quarterback, because especially the Browns are out of it late. That's if they're good. in it late, then maybe they start Hoyer. But if they're out of it late, they might just give Manziel an opportunity to play a little bit. Just to get his feet wet. Just to get him in. We saw it a couple years ago. Well, not a couple years ago. We saw it in 2007. Hard to believe it was that long ago already. When Chad Pennington was still effective as the Jets quarterback, the Jets weren't very good that year. They started off 1-4, 1-5, whatever it was. And they went to Kellen Clemens to try and give him an opportunity to play just to see what they had there, that position. And I think that might be a similar thing that we could see here. I like Johnny Manziel. I think he's going to be a successful NFL player. But I do think he's going to need the opportunity to play a little bit to you know, get to the level that he's going to need to be at, living up to our first-round expectation. And Brian Hoyer has not been bad. He'll definitely have an opportunity to start for a team maybe next year, compete for a starting job, definitely be a backup, be on an NFL team next year. But I think at a certain point they will go to Johnny Football, whether it's because Hoyer all of a sudden becomes ineffective or because Johnny Football is Johnny Football and they want to get him some time. I think they're going to get him his feet wet when this team becomes out of it. I mean, unless they're in a playoff race and Hoyer's still playing well, if they're out of it week 14, 15, 16, they might just put in Manziel for a game or two, just like you mentioned, just to get his feet wet, just to get him some NFL action. 
Here's another buy or sell. Buy or sell. Rex Ryan back as the Jets head coach in 2015. Oh, it's a sell. It, it's a sell. He will not be back next year. I do not think he'll be back next year. I'll sell that as well. I just don't think that there's a high probability that the Jets are able to turn it around this season, and therefore Rex Ryan loses his job. You know, as much as I want to buy it, I think if you look at it right now, the smart thing to say is to sell it. The Jets need a significant turnaround, and you know the way they're playing right now, they haven't shown me enough for me to even think that that's going to be possible. But realistically, guys, before we get onto the next one. How many games do the Jets have to win for Ryan to be able to keep his job? Eight. I think they have to go at least eight and eight. I think they have to make the playoffs. I mean, the, the Jets were talking pretty big coming into this season. Late eight and eight last year was praised as a huge success. They needed to make the playoffs coming into this season for Rex to save his job. And at one and four right now, one and six looking pretty likely. I just don't see playoffs. Well, that's the thing. I think if they, yeah, I think if they go seven and nine, he has a chance. I think eight and eight, and I think would definitely keep well, his job. The only yeah. thing, the only reason I, I say, and listen, the only reason I say I don't think seven and nine gets it done is how how long can you tolerate the same? You're not going anywhere. Saying mediocrity. the same. You're stuck eight in and eight, six and ten, eight and eight, seven and nine. Well, here's the thing: you have to consider too. Rex Ryan was. Kept his job after going eight and eight last year. The team looked like it was on the upswing, and John Isaac really started to believe, from what we heard from other reports, that Rex Ryan could be his potential head coach going forward. What has specifically changed? Because John Isaac hasn't provided Rex Ryan with the you know with the with the team to be able to compete. So that's where you got to wonder: Is Isaac in on what's going on with Rex, saying you're going to be our team's head coach, or are the Jets so bad right now and they're on this track where they could start one and six? Well, you can't keep Rex. That's something that needs to be answered, and that's something we won't know until we see how the Jets finish the rest I of the just, season. I just don't think Rex will be back. I just think it's time. I think it's time to move on. I think he's been the head coach for a while. They had two fantastic seasons where they went to the AFC Championship game. It's been downhill ever since. I'm not saying it's all Rex's fault, but he is the head coach of this team, and they're not going to fire Isaac after two years. He's good. he he you know it's pretty obvious he's here for the long term to rebuild this team, and if this team heads to a six and ten seven and nine season. I just think it's to- it's so tough to bring him back. I just mean, from just from a standpoint of a, a person, it's just it's tough to bring him back. How long? I I should say, how many times do you see an NFL head coach get a second chance in the NFL? I mean, Rex already had his first chance with Mark Sanchez. It didn't work out obviously the way the Jets hoped. Geno Smith gave him a second chance. How often do you see coaches get a third chance? No, I agree Not with you. Very likely. We really need to see a, a complete overhaul of the Jets. No, wait, with this season, they'll be able to turn is, it around. And the thing is, we're not talking about a head coach that is like, that has, that. it's not like he's, you know, he has had marginal success as the head coach of the Jets. And I use the term marginal because they went to two AFC championship games. It's, you know, considering that, you know, being a Jets fan where they haven't had much success over the last 40 years, you say, wow, they went to two straight AFC championship games. But that seems to be the peak of this team. They haven't, they've been downhill ever since. So that's why I think it just might be time it's, to move it, on. Well, it's tough. Uh, we've talked about this many times. It's tough to blame that all on Rex, but obviously you know, we'll see what happens going forward. And, guys, our last buy or sell, we alluded to it a little bit earlier, Dan. The Jaguars, buy or sell, they win three games. It's a sell. I think they go 2-14. and 14. I think I'm going to have to sell that as well, probably 2-14, or 14, maybe even 1-15. They're bad. You know, you look at the Jaguars' schedule coming up and – I'm gonna have to sell it as well. They they have we talked about the Titans being a chance for them to possibly get a win. Then of course they have the Browns, the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Cowboys, Colts, I mean, Giants, the Texans, Ravens, Titans again, and then the Texans. So if they're gonna get a win, I think they need to do it right now against the Tennessee I Titans, mean, against the Cleveland Browns, maybe the Dolphins. But from that point on, after those games. You know, it's very tough to see them winning a game except maybe week 15 or week 16, sorry, against the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I mean, look, from November 23rd till December 28th, Colts, Giants, Texans, Ravens, Titans again, and then the Texans. The only reasonable win in there is against Tennessee because they they played so poorly. So I just think 2-14 and 14 or 1-15 and 15 for this team, they're just not very good. Yeah, exactly. No, I couldn't agree with you more. So we're all they're selling that. Really well, how many? Dan, you said two games. Two wins max. Yeah, two wins max, I'd have to say as well. I'd probably agree with you guys. I think they're the worst team in the NFL. I think, you know, now the draft will be in Chicago. I was about to say come, you know, May time in New York. But come May time in Chicago now, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be having that first number one pick in the 2015 but NFL it, draft. It's, inter- it's not the quarterback. I think Bortles is the guy. Well, absolutely. And they, they went to Bortles late, too. They already were 0-3 yeah, when they turned they, it to him. They have so many other holes that they don't have a receiving core. They don't really have much of a running game. Their defense is average at best. So they have a lot of holes. They well, because it's interesting, too, just talking about the Jaguar. I can't believe we're talking about the Jaguars on the show. But the fact that you know because they are where they are right now and they do have a quarterback in Bortles, that number one overall pick could become 
very valuable if there's going to be a team that wants to trade up, give up their entire draft, and go get a a Jameis Winston or a Marcus Mariota. You saw it with the Redskins a couple years ago. Absolutely, and the thing is, and what's so great about the NFL is, say they have that number one overall pick, they don't need a quarterback, they trade with a team, they get what? Maybe a future first-round pick. Then you're talking about maybe— Well, the Redskins gave up three— They had number two, and the Redskins traded three first-round picks with the Rams to go up and get RG3. So you're talking about a team giving up minimum, Matt, maybe more. You're talking about maybe getting a team's entire draft. You could be a playoff team next year if you make the right decisions. Well, the NFL is is year-to-year, and we've seen seen it so many times where teams that aren't expected to do anything— Go on magical runs and get I mean, into the look playoffs. Houston, they're three and two. They were horrendous Houston last year. Houston was two and fourteen last year, and they were started two and zero last year. So they actually lost fourteen straight. But it just goes to show you, if you have the right coach, you have the right environment in the locker room, and you have a quarterback that cannot necessarily play at an elite level, but can manage a game. You're still good enough to win eight or nine games in the NFL. We've seen that, but you know, to get to that next level, of course, you do need that franchise guy. But you know, if Jacksonville continues to go where they are right now, and they do finish with that worst pick. They're not going to need a quarterback, so that's going to be very interesting to see what happens. It'll be an expendable pick. That's a good point. And one more team that might be in that situation as well, the Oakland Raiders. They just used a first-round pick to get Derek Carr. Yeah, uh, They also could trade down. I mean, and try second round pick. Second round pick. Second round pick to get Carr. But, I mean, I think they They like Carr. I think they like Carr, though. I mean, Carr seems to be there, you know, a guy that they want right. to ride So what with. if you have the Raiders at um, number two? Oh, Jackson, you're saying, okay. Jacksonville at number one. The Raiders are another team that could be, you know, yeah. a, a big seller. Yeah, you could be talking about a team, maybe even the Jets trading up, try to move forward to draft a quarterback. You don't know. There's Who a knows? lot of teams that need yeah. quarterbacks. So that's a, that's an interesting story if, that team, if those two teams are one and two. Absolutely. But that's going to conclude this week's buy or sell segment. Jake Chernock, thank you so much. Uh, thanks so much, guys. This has been fun. Look forward to it next week. So right now what we're going to do is we're going to hear more of Chernock. We're going to get to his four down segment right now. Now it's time for four downs with Jake Chernock. Starting on first down, Peyton Manning's four touchdown throws on Sunday gave him 503, five shy of Brett Favre's NFL record. The 500th came on a seven-yard throw to Julius Thomas, one of two he'd throw to Thomas in the game. Demarius Thomas also caught two touchdown passes, giving him 27 from Peyton Manning. That's the fifth most for any player. Marvin Harrison leads the way with 112. On second down, the Dallas Cowboys have turned around their season after dropping the season opener to win four straight. DeMarco Murray has gained at least 100 rushing yards in all five games this season. Emmitt Smith never had more than four games in a row with at least 100 rushing yards. The rushing offense has also helped Tony Romo pick up big gains as Romo has completed 73% of his play-action passes and his over 12 yards per attempt on those plays are second most in the NFL. On third down, Russell Wilson rushed for 122 yards and a touchdown, surpassing the Monday Night Football quarterback rushing record of the 107 set by Donovan McNabb in 2002. The only other quarterback other than those two to rush for 100 yards on Monday Night Football is Steve Grogan for the 1976 New England Patriots. Finally, on fourth down, Deshaun Jackson had five catches for 157 yards and a touchdown, including a 60-yard grab for a score on Monday night. It was his 14th receiving touchdown of 50 yards or more in the last seven seasons, breaking a tie with Calvin Johnson for the most in the NFL in that time. Jackson's 157 yards receiving were the most by a player in a loss this season. With the four downs, I'm Jake Chernock. We are back right here on the Azam Budic Show, the Football Frenzy Podcast, Week Six. Great stuff as always from Jake Chernock right there. Yeah, great Jake Chernock, the four downs, of course, and having him on for the buy or sell. So I mean, nice way to bring him into the show. But you know, looks forward to doing it next week. Absolutely, Dan. And right before we get into our favorite part of the week, the pigskin pickums. It's time for the Mark Weber Game of the Week. The MW Game of the Week. And we were talking off the air. This game could actually be the Jet Game. And we'll remind everyone, for those who aren't familiar with the MW Game of the Week, Mark Weber is a great friend of ours. We used to do a radio show with him back when we were in high school, when we were in ninth grade at Syosset High School. And you know, to honor his legacy, we would always pick a game where it was kind of irrelevant, just a game that no one really cared about. That kind about. of was irrelevant. Yeah, you know, exactly. It is irrelevant. And you know, based on some of the, the picks that we would you know pick for this game you would kind of see why in this week's game lives up to that standard we have the jacksonville jaguars taking on the tennessee titans in a game that i don't think really many people care about outside if you live in tennessee or jacksonville and i even think if you live in jacksonville you don't really care yeah pretty much pretty much so this is a uh well-deserved mark weber game of the week so that is this week's mark weber game of the week and now dan it's time for a favorite part of the week 
Are you ready? This week's Pigskin Pick'ems starts right now. Jake, first game on the schedule, Jets home against the Denver Broncos in that high-flying offense. For whatever reason, Dan, I've taken the Jets every game this season. you got to be right eventually. Going to take the Jets again. I like getting the eight points. I think somehow they're competitive, but would it surprise anyone if they get blown out? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a blowout. I'm taking Denver to cover that eight-point spread. Giants at the Eagles. The Eagles are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. And you know what? I've been pretty conflicted with this game all week, but I'm going to end up, I'm going to go with the Eagles. I just think them playing at home, the Giants are due for maybe a rough game. I, I just think it's one of those things where the Eagles at home, maybe LeSean McCoy gets going, I'm taking the Eagles at home. And this is the best team the Giants have played in, heading into their sixth week. I think the Eagles are going to get the job done at home. San Francisco at St. Louis, this is the Monday night football game. And you know, this is the game I'm going to go with San Francisco. They're only three and a half point favorites on the road. I thought that'd be a little bit more, but you know, the, the Niners are playing really well right now. I trust their defense. They seem to have really gotten things together. I like uh, I like watching Kyle Kaepernick go into primetime. I think he has a nice game. And I don't trust this Rams offense to be able to put up enough points against the San Fran D. I'm taking the Niners. Yeah, Jake, you hit the nail right on the head right there. This St. Louis, uh, this St. Louis offense is weak. They're going to have trouble against the defense of the 49ers. I'm taking the 49ers in primetime. Now, Dan, the Sunday night football game, of course, is the Giants. So we're going to pick two wild card games this week. My first wild card is the New England Patriots taking on the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. The Patriots are only three-point favorites on the road. I thought that game would also also be a little higher point spread but I'm gonna take the Patriots I think they got things together last week uh, at home against the Bengals against a very good team I don't trust Kyle Orton in this Bills offense I know they beat the Lions but the Lions made a lot of mistakes that allowed that Bills team to get the win I think Tom Brady's trying to figure it out we've seen this with Patriots teams before they get hot they get going this could be the week where things really start to come together after last week's performance against Cincinnati yeah my first wildcard game like you mentioned the aforementioned Detroit Lions they're traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings Teddy Bridgewater should be able to play the ankle seems to be all right. I'm taking Detroit. I think they're going to bounce back and get the W. Baltimore at Tampa, my second wildcard game. The Ravens are minus three in this game on the road, but I'm still going to take them anyway. I just think Joe Flacco's playing you know, on a decent clip right now. They suffered a tough loss a week ago against the Colts. I can't see the Ravens losing back-to-back -back games to an inferior team in the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, my second wildcard game, I got the San Diego Chargers having two Oakland, two Oakland excuse me, to take on the 0-4 Oakland Raiders. I mean, they're abysmal on offense. They, we'll see Tony Sperano get a chance to coach them, but I'm taking the Chargers to win. They blew out the Jets last week. I think they're going to cover that seven-point spread. I think they're going to cover that seven-point spread. I just think they're a better team. We talked about it earlier in the show. Phillip Rivers is playing on an unbelievable level right now. They're going to get the job done. I agree with you, Dan. And that's going to do it for this week's Pigskin Pickums. As always, check us out on Twitter at the at Asmundbutic Show. We update the standings on there. Same with our Facebook page, the Asmundbutic Show. But it's been another great show. Thank you to everyone for listening. As always, make sure you find us on iTunes or ICTV.org. And we can't thank you enough for tuning in. It's been another edition of the Asmundbutic Show podcast. See you next week. Podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.